Sustainable 76. 70 blinking six. Crikey Moses. We are your friendly little environment podcast all about people and the planet. And how come, even though everything is terrible, I mean, terrible, terrible, we can still have a little chuckle about it every now and then, ain't we all? And what we got coming up this week then? Well, Dave, this week we are going to talk about how I specifically was accused of having pre-kindergarten levels of intellect. Which might be fair. Uh, We're also going to be talking about (laughs) how some really, really in-hoffy people have written to all of the little kiddies in America saying stupid things. And we're going to be talking about the biggest kid of all, Donald Trump. So it's kiddies this week, Dave. Kiddies. Very good. Oh, just the usual disclaimer, we do work for environmental charities, but these ear views are very much our own views. Thus, if any of them make you want to do a poo in your nappy, don't don't take it up with anyone that we work for, but just take it up for us and we shall clean you and wipe your bottom, yes? No, we won't. Wipe it up yourself. <laughs> You're a grown-up. Grab You're a right. wet wipe. Not a wet wipe that, you know, stays in the sewer forever and goes in the ocean. But you know on what I mean. Get on, on with, with it. it. Inhoff of the week. This is the section named after a senator in America who is a jackass. He's a jackass, Dave, because he thinks climate change isn't real just because there's still snow, Mr. Jim Inhoff, you jackass. Jackass Jim. Anyway, so we named a section of the show after him in which we put other people who are suitably jackass-ish. Who is it this week? Well, Ol, you met an Inhoff this week, but before we talk about you meeting the Inhoff this week, do you want to just talk a little bit about what you met the Inhoff about? What's going on? It's all about stinky air and cars and things, isn't it? Yeah, it is all about stinky air and cars. Um, We have banged on, as we do, uh, in the past about air and stinky air and naughty Volkswagen. See episodes 25 and 55 and indeed 74. So we've done some quite quite prodigious banging on so i won't bang on too much but basically people are now trying to work out what you do about the stinky air and generally when you do a thing about an environmental problem someone has to pay for it and when someone has to pay for it they get upset and that is what's going on here the mayor of london this week said right i am going to make you pay to go in places in the middle of london um with a stinky diesel if you've got a stinky diesel that's you know making people get cancer and making kiddies grow up with small lungs, then, you know, you can't drive around willy-nilly and I'm going to make you pay to do it. Or hopefully, because you have to pay to do it. it. Very nice. (laughs) Because you have to pay to do it, fewer people will do it. I mean, that is ultimately what is trying to be achieved. Um, And yeah, so he's he's set out proposals for, klaxon at the ready, an ultra-low emission zone. 
play the ultra low emission zone musical. Oh, so, so low. So this is the idea, right? Uh, that is, if I've got this right, that if you've got one of them big, horrible, stinky diesel cars, or even a little horrible, stinky diesel car, but if your car is stinky and diesel, you'll have to pay money to drive it in bits of the city, what you didn't have to pay before. Yeah, yeah, basically. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And other places do other things, don't they? Is it like, is it what some cities, Paris or something, just flat out bans you driving some cars on some days when things get really stinky? Is that right? Yeah. That, so that there's wrong. there's different things going on. What Sadiq is proposing is a as a general every single day we want fewer diesels around. Right. That's the, right. the thrust of it. I mean, other people might say he's proposing every single day we want to get more money from diesel drivers, and we'll come on to that. Um, but that's the kind of Bottom, bottom of the rung, every single day, this stuff's going to happen. What other cities do is say, ooh, when it's really, really nasty pollution, when, you know, stinky air blows in from somewhere else, um, we're going to say, right, diesels can't come into the city at all. No diesels. doesn't matter what you charge. Other cities have just said flat out, in a few years' time, we're going to ban them full stop. So, yeah, you know, right. you've got seven, eight years to work out what you do with your diesel car, suggest you sell it or, you know burn it or something uh but they're just not going to be able to dri- be driven so so there's a lot of different things being proposed but generally it is diesel bad other stuff good good right now so some people don't like this very much right mm. specifically um well this sort of person where the pollution takes place now most of us don't live near a big chimney or next to a big cargo chip a ship but most of us do live near a road, and that is why road transport is the biggest problem. Diesel vehicles, I'm afraid, are the worst of all, and the government is clear on that. I mean, it is true, of course, that if you take somewhere like Oxford Street, you can see Sadiq Khan's point, the amount of breaches in one year is phenomenal. 260 buses an hour on Oxford Street. Mm. That is your problem. And Oliver, with respect, nobody's talking about ships. That's 8% of background diesel pollution in London. Nobody's talking about rail, another 8%. Ground machinery, that's diggers, JCBs, road rollers, 14% of background pollution. Nobody is talking about this. Instead, as always, we demonise the diesel driver. And it was that- Who's that, Ol? That's me. That is you. Well, who's, who are you talking to? I was talking to my public. My public needed me on Monday. And why was your tie dirty? Do you know why it was my tie? <laughs> <laughs> we should actually say what's going on here. What's going on here? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I did telly on Monday night. I did like proper grown up telly. I did the sort of telly where when the call comes in, like your tummy goes funny. And you go all sweaty, and you suddenly start smelling in places that you've never smelt before. Uh, that's what happened to me, anyway. Apologies to anyone who was in the room as me as I was trying to prepare for going on Newsnight. I went on Newsnight. <laughs> you went on Newsnight, and it turned you into a flatulent mess. Oh, it was horrible. Hey, I was Ol, proper scared. Would you like to come on Newsnight? Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Oh, well done, mate. You were very good, I have to say. And you're talking about all this, weren't you? Like, you know, you should be able to talk to people about the environment, given that that's what this here podcast is. And and you're getting all right at this now. So I've had 75 episodes to practice. So yeah, that's right. And, you know, I am basically Kirsty Walk um, in in every in every kind of way. Um, So (laughs) is that Kirsty Walk from Jaipur? (laughs) 
Anyway, you went on and you was talking to a bloke who used to be quite famous and isn't anymore, really, in it. Uh, he's a bloke called... Quentin Wilson. Quentin. Good old mm. Quentin. Who's called Quentin? What sort of name is Quentin? Who's oh. called Quentin? Well, I bet actually probably quite a lot of people listen to this podcast are called Quentin. Sorry, Quentin. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, more importantly, who spells Wilson with two L's? That blew my mind. Does he? Yeah, he does, yeah. But more to the point, he is um, a motoring journalist. He writes about cars. He used to be on Top Gear when Top Gear was about cars before it became about willies and blowing stuff up. Um, But... Yeah, he's he's been around. He's been around the block, and at the moment, sure, he has been around the block, mate. He probably has. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, he represents this slightly weird organisation called Fair Fuel UK, who for the last sort of four or five years have been really quite high profile, making the case that basically any tax on any sort of fuel that goes in a car or any anything that makes driving in any way more expensive is a terrible, terrible thing and should be stopped in its tracks. Yeah, should we hear a little bit more of the sort of thing that he thinks? Yeah, let's, let's hear a bit more, Roll. Years and years, I saw the Secretary of State for, for, for Transport the other day telling him to get his act together and, and, and offer more incentives. But the cost to those consumers mm. who were told to buy diesel, if you say that every diesel car, 15 million of them, will have its value reduced by £5,000 because of this hysteria, that's £75 billion mm. we're going to be costing consumers. So, tell- so, right, so, OK, so I am going to be, I am going to be Quentin Wilson for the purposes of the next few minutes, right? I'm going to be Quentin Wilson, and I am going to call you all sorts of thing, right? And you, these are the arguments that Quentin Wilson sets, right? He says that only 10% of emissions are attributable to diesel cars, so why should hard-working drivers have to be held responsible for all the mess? Right, for, for, for a start, he never says anywhere what that stat is from um, and which emissions he's talking about, Um and he's written fairly rabid blogs that also don't include that reference. So I'm, I'm not even going to dignify that with an answer until he says uh, where he's got his data. But the point I made on the interview is what really matters is where stuff is polluted. So if you're going to have something belching out, you know, this NOx, this is the nasty stuff that we're talking about, nitrogen Is that what oxides. came out of you when you found out you had to go on the telly? <laughs> it was certainly noxious. Uh, yeah, nitrogen oxide, NOx. If you're doing that in a big ship in the middle of the ocean, it's bad. Big what? A big ship. Oh. Uh, in the middle of the ocean. It's, it's definitely bad, yes. But it's also no way near where most people live and where most people work and where people fish. breathe this stuff in. And fish that's why fish. people are worked up about pollution from roads and the things on roads because loads of people live next to roads or have to walk along roads or cycle or drive along roads or have their kiddies in school next to roads or work along roads that's the point it's really really close um to the pollution so it's a complete distraction Uh, Ooh, okay, right, so that doesn't... Okay, well, he says that they've surveyed 16,000 drivers, only one (laughs) in a 100 of which believe that adding a, quote, pollution tax to diesel will improve the environment. Well, tell me about that survey. You found it. (laughs) Yes. How did that that survey... Did it strike you as balanced and proportionate? No. Um, (laughs) 
There's a generally accepted rule that what makes for good surveys are, is the following. Firstly, you present questions in a neutral way. Secondly, you take care to make sure that the people filling it out are not already in agreement with you. Thirdly, you don't specifically put a thing on a survey saying, please fill in this questionnaire in order to help us tell the government why not taxing diesel is important. <laughs> right? And fourthly, you, are on, you publish all the data and you make it fully available to people. But none of that's happened. It's basically just a questionnaire that says it's on the Fair Fuel UK website it says we're going to make the case to government for why we shouldn't be taxed Uh, fill in the following questions which is things like um, on the one hand do you think it would be terrible if we pay more uh, more more tax or would it be all right and things like that and so obviously it's all self-selecting because you have to be on you have to be like you have to think paying fair like Fair Fuel UK is a good idea in the first place to even find the survey right Um, and (laughs) you have to be on there um, and then it all point. takes you through a small point. Exactly. It's like it's like this, right? Imagine if we had a survey on the Sustainable website, which was like, explain to us very clearly why Sustainable is the best podcast in the world, right? And we tucked it away on our website, and all of our Babble army came and they filled it out, and then we released a press release to the Sun newspaper, which said 100% of podcast listeners <laughs> think Sustainable is the best <laughs> podcast in the world, right? Actually, it wouldn't be 100%. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be 100%, be. 100% no. 41% <laughs> of podcast listeners think Sustainable... 2% of podcast listeners think Sustainable is the best podcast in the world. But the Sun the bloody sun sorry i've been banging on for a while which is a newspaper read by tits and (laughs) containing tits um published this totally uncritically did this big thing saying sixteen thousand drivers won't want to pay diesel tax which is not surprising of course they don't want to pay diesel tax the people who are downstairs from me don't want to like come up to my house and roll about in my sweaty bathwater isn't make it statistically (laughs) valid does it so, oh, I wanted to ask you a thing, right? I wanted to ask you a thing, and the thing is this, yeah. Um, how much of all of this stuff, like the war on the motorists, the poor, hard-working driver being taxed, uh, and all of the stuff, like one of the lines of argument that your Quentin Wilsons use is bloody Labour government uh, told us that diesel, we should drive diesel and not petrol, and they made diesel cheaper than petrol, so everyone bought diesel, and now they're telling us you can't drive diesel, and all the, you know, if you put the tax up, people still have to drive so we're going to do is race like how much of that is in any way fair right and how much of it is just people who don't want to pay tax not paying tax come on put yourself in the shoes of someone who uh you know put yourself in the shoes of like him go on do it well i'm not gonna put myself in the shoes of him because he's he's an inhoff but i will put myself in the shoes of people who own diesel cars and aren't inhoffs which is quite a lot of people and i think there's a lot of yeah, I, I agree. It is a bit unfair, isn't it? If if the government says for 15 years, please buy diesels, they're better for the environment. And if car makers go, look at a lovely diesel, isn't it all lovely and better for the environment? You should buy one. Then it's not unreasonable for people who need cars and want to drive around to go, tell you what, I'll get one of them nice diesels and then I'm doing slightly better than, you know, getting a petrol. And if if you're one of them people and there's 12 million people driving diesel cars at the moment, uh, then to be hearing all of this stuff in the news... No, saying, there isn't. Balls. Well, there are 12 million cars, 12 ah, million diesel cars registered exactly. for use in the UK if you want to get... Are you going to get on my... What's this? Are you having well, a go at my stats? Well, they can't... Yes. Go on. No. Right. Sod off. 
There are 12 million diesel cars registered in the UK, right? And that is a lot more millions than there was 10 years ago, 15 years ago even. Uh, and the point is, those 12 million cars are probably going to lose their value now because everyone's saying diesel are evil. So who's going to buy your, t- your, your diesel car when you sell it? Similarly, if you use it to drive into the centre of town, um, now it sounds like you're probably going to have to pay a charge to go into the centre of town. So I, I'd imagine, yeah, they are annoyed and they are pissed off next question see it is kind of fair enough isn't it but oh what's this um that is uh, a house plant day is a house plant oh and do you know how much this house plant cares about people moaning about having to pay more tax <laughs> Well, it looks a little bit sad, um, so maybe 10% it cares? It doesn't care. It's a houseplant. <laughs> you know who else doesn't care? Me, right? I'm going to tell you why I don't care, right? Because the thing is this, right? So, look, all right, okay, it is the case that if you go around driving your car and you're told you've got to pay more for that and it's not your fault or you're entitled to get the hump about it, I get it. I get the people of skin. I get the people build their lives around the car. And I'm sorry about that. And you can tell us in a minute about scrappage schemes and all that sort of thing and why it matters, right? But sometimes you just kind of, like, all of this is a privilege, you know. All of this, like, driving around in car. What you are doing when you are driving your car around, yeah, it's not someone having a go at you. What is coming out of the tailpipe of your car is going into the lungs of people and killing some of those people, right? That is a thing you are doing, right? And if we let you do that, it is a privilege. It is a nice privilege, and you build your life around it, but that is what you are doing. So, Sometimes, in fact, all the time, I think people who like complain about try, about anything that's trying to stop that happening need to just shut up, shut up. House, oh, the house plant doesn't care. But anyway, just need to yeah, shut up it, about it, it. It should shut up. Look at it. All house. Yeah, I know. No, I, I, I mean, like, how do we how do we fix this all? How do we stop people just caring about their own naked little narrow self interest and instead realise that what we're doing is building cities in which everyone drives around in a deathly toxic soup and in fact that's all of your fault you selfish inhoffs well um first of all very very nicely put dave vote Thanks, dave mate. vote dave um uh, well and that and that's kind of the point if you had politicians um with a bit of spine saying things like that then probably you'd have a few more people going fair enough and they don't say things like that. They desperately try to say things that they think will please everybody or, more importantly, please the people who they want to vote for them. And that's why you have people like Transport Minister Chris Grayling, the guy who knocked a cyclist off his bike and you thought that was absolutely fine because you hate cyclists. I did say that. You did say that. I haven't even brought that up. No, you did say that. You hate cyclists. Anyway, Chris Grayling said the other day, in the face of all this evidence that you just said, in the face of the fact that, you know, Children are growing up with smaller lungs, which is apparently a phrase I say everywhere I go now. Uh, Oh, here comes the smaller lung man. (laughs) In the face of all this. Where's old smaller lungs? Is he coming out? No, he's not coming out tonight. (laughs) Did you see old small lungs on the telly? (laughs) Oh, here he comes. Tiny lungs. Look at him. (laughs) What was I saying? I was saying that Chris Grayling, the transport minister, the person probably more than anyone else who needs to make the case for why, as you say, we should change the way we get around. He said, oh, I think people should think think long and hard before buying their next diesel. 
Well, mm. thanks, Chris Grayling. That is that is the inspiring leadership. That is going to put the fears of parents of some of the thousand uh, nurseries revealed this week to be in pollution hotspots. It's going to put their fears at ease. It is going to put those little kiddies with their nasty coughs. It's going to make them feel much better because you said to people, think about it. Just have a think. So, oh, the, the only the last thing to say, yeah, is there is this idea, right, of a way of bringing all of this together, yeah. So, stopping everyone getting upset and like stopping people paying more tax and saving the planet and generating jobs and things, and that is a thing called a scrappage scheme. Where, if I get it right, it's the idea that you would like uh, get paid money off of the government to get rid of your horrible stinky car and buy a nice clean new car. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you could design that in ways if you wanted to be like, you know, just British cars or something like that, which I suppose we could probably do now, what with Brexit and that kind of thing. Um, is that a good idea? Oh, yes, basically. It's an important part of what needs to happen. Um, it's annoying because it, it basically is massively wasteful. You've got all of these machines that have been built um, that you're just going to put in a bin and build new ones and probably it would be better to give people more money to do things like uh stay in bed stay in bed or you know have season tickets for the train or join a car club so that you didn't make a new car you just drived somebody else's car a bit drive drived drove drive you know what i mean or, or you know cycle hire membership for years and years and years stuff like that it would be better to give people money to, to scrap their car and do things that weren't driving a car but 36 million vehicles on the road, a lot of them are going to be uh, replaced, right? Um, So, yeah, give people money to get a car that doesn't kill kids. Um, And that that is a good, important thing. Um, But it's also... You can just see how people are going to go, well, hang on a minute, you say the government pay for that, that's me, that's taxpayers, that's all of us paying for the government's mistake, and it's all of us paying for, ultimately... Sending custom the way of the car makers who made cars that poison us. And I think that's why I would rather that a scrappage scheme was paid for by the car makers. They make squillions and squillions of pounds of profits, right? And what a scrappage scheme does is send them new customers. So make them pay for it. In Hoth of the Week. Oh, in half of. Hang on, haven't we done this? Yeah, but I know, but we haven't done a, like one of these. We, we, it's just we're our Inhoff cup brimmeth over. Oh, we are <laughs> knee deep in Inhoffs. There's another one. Another Inhoff. This Inhoff is a thing called the Heartland Institute, specifically Lenny Garrett, who works for the Heartland Institute. The Heartland Institute uh, is a bunch of Inhoffs. It's like imagine if you had what's the collective noun for a bunch of Inhoffs? A Ooh. toss bag of Inhoffing, <laughs> right? Um, and it's it's a, a organisation that thinks like Inhoff does, which is basically that like climate climate change is a communist plot and that the science is not settled because some bloke who has a in his garage came up with a different idea right um and what they've done is is that one of the words we bleep or not (laughs) you're editing you decide okay 
Anyway, shut up and listen, right? Because what they did was they have sent this Heartland Institute. They wrote to 25,000 science teachers in America, 25,000 of them, and sent them all this shit. I don't know if you bleeped that either. Um, which is like, uh, hello, you're about to teach your kids about climate change. It's important that you know that the science is not settled. Uh, it in is fact, settled. In fact, students, shut up, you're not, shut up. In fact, uh, students will be better served by letting them know a vibrant debate is taking place among oh, scientists God. and whether we should be worried about it. So that's what they did. This is the Heartland Institute, by the way, that, that is funded by the Koch brothers, who own massive, massive fossil fuel industries, and which was taken down by Nature magazine in July 2011 for... Uh, proclaiming a conspicuous confidence in grand interpretations and single studies, making bold assertions that are misleading, um, review climate data as attorneys trying to find falsehoods rather than actually scientifically. Um, they are happy muddying the waters. They are not trying to build a theory of anything. Yeah, they're not nice puppies, are they? These are the people, these are the people, Dave, who have run billboards in America where they put the pictures of like mass murderers, uh, like that. There's the the, the Una bomber. Not quite sure who that is. Uh, people like Charles Manson. They stick them all up on the on, on billboards and say, "I still believe in global warming." Do you? <laughs> it's like, wow, yeah. wow. That is who we're dealing with here. And I just wanted, like, I'm not going to bang on about this anymore, other than, like, it's been quite nice to see all the reaction from climate science, climate teachers all over America going bugger off like you know <laughs> posting pictures of this outrageous propaganda and just calling it out for what it is but i did want to say like we were talking before about like uh why it is that people don't think they should pay more tax to stop kids his lungs getting shriveled right and it's basically this is kind of the same thing where what you've got is people who are essentially like do what you want type right wing type people yeah like basically freedom is good and we should be allowed to do with it, do what we want with it and what happens is the environment just keeps getting in the crosshairs of that it keeps people just end up deciding the environment is bad because kind of by definition you cannot do whatever you want and still live in a nice healthy planet because if you do whatever you want you're going to bugger it up right and so that's what's happening here is you've got people i don't think these people particularly in and of itself care about climate change what they do care about is companies making massive amounts of money and the companies that make massive amounts of money in this case are like oil companies and so thus you get the money from them and thus you end up concluding that climate change is made up which uh, it isn't unless you're an (laughs) in-half which they are (laughs) yeah i agree very nicely put next section So, things Donald done, and talking of people who don't believe in sensible things and just make stuff up because that's where the money is, the president of the free world. God, we're not allowed to call him that anymore, not having it. Justin Trudeau is the president of the free world now. He's an in-off as well. We've had, we've had some really interesting emails. We've had some really interesting emails about how, how that Trudeau, I know he's beautiful, I know he's so got beautiful. lovely hair, I know he's posed topless in magazines to make us all go a little bit funny, mm. but apparently he's, he's in and off too, and we'll do an episode on that one day. 
Blimey, we're going to get complaints. Anyway, what's happened is we've been away for a bit, and since we've been away, the thing Donald has done is, as was indeed threatened, totally dismantled everything <laughs> that Obama had put in place to act on climate change, right? Great. So, I mean, that yes. is great, isn't it? That is, yes. That's just, just great. Fa- fantastic yeah. news. No, no, it's all it's all good. It's all good news. There's no reason at all to be worried about that. He has uh, told the Environmental Protection Agency to revisit the Clean Power Plan, which was the thing that like forces power plants not to emit so much. Uh, told the Justice Department to stop defending that plan in court. Uh, he's telling uh, he's rescinded a moratorium. Oh, he's done what? Rescinded a moratorium. I, I'm not having that. Hey, you're not claxoning me for that, Sunshine. I'm just reading out a thing from motherjones.com. Well, do, um, do your research better and characterise it for our listeners. What does rescind a moratorium mean? You're now allowed to do again uh, drilling for coal on public land, which so Obama said you're Thank not using you. government better. land to find coal. Put a moratorium on it, which is a thing where it says you can't do it. Donald Trump has rescinded that moratorium, which means the moratorium no longer exists, which means that you can do the thing that you couldn't have done in bit second time. You can do it first time. No, that's wrong. Anyway, <laughs> look, shut up. I'm trying to do this briefly. We're running out of time. All, loads of stuff. Loads and loads of stuff. Basically, anything you can think of that Obama did, he has uh, undone it. But, and, but, but what, what? well, I can think of a thing Obama did. What? He signed the Paris Agreement, didn't he? Oh. And Donald Go Trump and said in episode. his campaign that uh, he was going to undo that and he was yes. going to unsign it. Yes. And he hasn't yet, has he? No, well, it is, what day is it? Saturday. And we look, we talked about this in episode 74, um, which we recorded back at the end of February. And we said that as of the time of recording then, he hadn't yet pulled out of Paris um, because uh, daughter Trump says it's not a good idea. At least that's what we think. And we were quite happy about it then. But he hadn't done it yet. But I mean, whoop de sure I mean, whoop de do. It's like this thing, you know, at the moment, I don't want to get political and you can cut this out of the edit if you want. Right. At the moment. Okay. At the moment, everyone is now all of a sudden deciding Donald Trump is this great leader because he's gone and bombed some Syrians, right? I'm and not. Like, I'm not deciding that. No, okay, all right, you're not, and I'm not, and lots of people are not, right? But the point about that is, I reckon, I read this really good piece about this, says, because everyone is like... Uh, me- nice metropolitan elite, media bubbly type, liberal bunch of hippies type thing, yeah? And a president has come along who's a total in-off and is terrible, and all they do all day is sit around, like, slagging him off and saying how terrible he is, right? But the little bit of their brain that believes in the sanctity of human nature and believes people are all right, really, is desperately looking for things w- that, that like, are actually show he's not too bad, really. And when he does one of those things where there's, like, some ambiguity and you can go, hey, look, the president's shown some leadership in bombing loads of Syrians, or in this case, hey, at least on the good side, uh, Trump hasn't pulled out of the Paris Agreement. Everyone goes, woohoo, brilliant news, yeah. wonderful, right? And all that's happened is he's not, in the Paris Agreement case, he hasn't done something that would be absolutely diabolical. Yet. Right? That, yet, exactly. <laughs> and as far as we know, it's only because he's too busy eating pies. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know but, I mean? it's, but it's also, he's doing all of the things that are actually materially going to make the difference. Uh, towards the goal set out in that agreement, you know. So yes, it, we we could see the American uh, signature remain on the Paris Agreement for a few years, whilst he just deletes renewables and he or just Paris or just deletes Paris. <laughs> yeah, still Next applies, right? <laughs> 
Yes, I think you're totally right. I think you're totally right. And it's very, very important. Even though our little brains want to believe that people are nice, really, it's very important to recognise that he's not nice. He's an in-off. So that is just about it for another episode 76 in the can. Thank you, Dave, for being wonderful and babbly and bespectacled. I still love your new specs. I think they're very smart. Good specs. Oh. Thank you, too, to uh, the wonderful Dickie Moore. Hey. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, thanks. Sorry, sorry, I was just... You know, honestly, here's what was happening then, right? I was looking at me in Skype and looking at my glasses, thinking how brilliant my glasses are. And I forgot that what I was supposed to do was actually say thank you all too for being wonderful. Thank you all too for being wonderful and for going on the telly and talking to an in-half and for having beautiful hair and a crumpled, messy tie. It wasn't messy. It was dirty because it was my dad's (laughs) tie. And it turns out he's been putting his grubby little fingers on the same little spot of that tie for about 40 years. And You're a grown man! Why haven't you got a tie? I do have a tie, they're just not as nice as that one. That was not nice, it's covered in your dad's sebum. <laughs> Crikey. Ah, uh, just a little uh, point of order. Um, we haven't, like, you know, sacked Arabella or anything. It's just that we were going to talk about some babble and then ran out of time. So we haven't done babble again. And I think we did that last time. So it's been a while since you heard my lovely uh, seven-year-old niece, Arabella. But she is very much still in the employment. This is, to use the parlance of football clubs, a massive vote of confidence in Arabella. Uh, I can, can assure you that we're, the board of Sustainable will remain fully committed to the five-year plan set out by Arabella. Thank you to the legendary Dickie Moore for the music that starts and ends and intertwinkles this here podcast. And thank you, listener, for listenifying. You can get in touch with us at hello at sustainababble.fish. You can find us on Facebook, just search Sustainababble, or tweet at us at the Babble Wagon. And if you like our podcast, tell your friends and leave us a review, and let's get millions of people listening to this here podcast. Very nice. All right, Dave, have a lovely week. Don't drive any diesel cars. Don't write to any thousands and thousands of children in America telling them that climate change isn't real. Just the usual, all right? Write you all, love. Bye! Bye! Hey, oh. When I was a kid, yeah, me and my dad used to have these terrible, terrible arguments about these shoe coverings he used to make us wear. These massive, massive arguments. And they were such awful things. They were like kind of gaudy and, you know, just really made us, you know, got bullied at school and everything. And, yeah, we had these massive fights about it. We had such terrible spats. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not putting that in. (laughs) Oh,